Welcome to the Giants Huddle, a New York Giants podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle podcast. I am John Schmelk. The NFL Combine is in the books. To break it all down is Eric Edholm. He covers the NFL draft for Yahoo Sports. But first, if you like what you hear in the Giants Huddle podcast, find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe. You can also find us on the Giants app and on Giants.com slash podcast. Now let's welcome our guest. He's Eric Edholm. He covers the draft for Yahoo Sports. Eric, first off, thanks for being with us and tell people how they can find your work. Yeah, they can uh, go to Yahoo Sports and uh, the NFL page there. And most of uh, what I do is draft, especially this time of year. So glad we got to uh, run into each other down in Indy. And uh, yeah, it's just an exciting time right now. Yeah, absolutely. We did like three two-hour shows on there. We had something like 25 guests on, a lot of combine preview. Now we can actually talk about what happened there, which is great because all the testing is in the books. And I guess we'll kind of go through winners and losers. I know that's kind of broad, but we'll try to hit it as best we can. Don't want to spend much time on the quarterbacks, Eric, but I, I'll throw it very broadly to you. How much interest after Joe Burrow do you think there's going to be with teams trying to move up in the draft to secure their quarterback with two as medicals? Is it Herbert or Love that's number three? Does it depend on the team? Just kind of give me a window into what teams would be thinking there at the top of the quarterback class. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all going to be the discussion over the coming weeks, and it really did start down in Indy. I mean, you heard the Washington Redskins say, yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera offered up the information. Imagine that, you know, that, hey, we're, we're talking to three quarterbacks down here. We're bringing in two, and we're bringing in Burrow for, for uh, our 15-minute visits and all that. So, you know, I think they're trying to drum up interest, but what if they're questioning Dwayne Haskins? What if they're suddenly pivoting – you know, the way the Arizona Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. It can happen. This is a new era of NFL where, you know, the windows are shorter and, uh, you know, patience and uh, regime changes can, can throw everything out the window. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the Giants there at four, they're going to be one of those teams that are talked about. Detroit at three, depending on how it all shakes out. I mean, I wouldn't be to see four quarterbacks go in the top ten. That puts almost all those spots in play assuming Burrow goes one and it just kind of trickles down from there. Yeah, we had your colleague Charles Robinson on on Friday's show, and he said he could see four quarterbacks in the top seven, um, which, yeah. would, which would be pretty amazing. Jordan Love getting a lot of, no pun intended, love from NFL teams out there. You know, <laughs> the report in the Miami Herald over the weekend to the Dolphins would rather just kind of stay there at five and pick their guy, which might motivate someone to, to move up ahead of him. So I think that'll be something definitely uh, to keep an eye on as the week goes. As for the wide receivers, I think it's really interesting. I don't know how all these guys are going to fit into the first two or three rounds where they belong, Eric, and it seems to me there's going to be a lot of value late. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the process, you know, right when we started talking, I was uh, just hit pause on my, my rankings, and I don't know that I've had a position dominate my top 100 the way receiver is going to. And, again, this is just my rankings – Yes, I talk to people from around the league. I get a lot of different opinions. But everyone seems to be in agreement with the fact that even if you don't think the top two or three guys are in that, you know, that Mike Evans, OBJ range from, uh, was it 2013, 14, whatever that was, you know, the depth of this class where you might be able to get day one or day two talent into day three, that's that's rare. That's That's actually kind of shocking. I don't think there were – you know, enough poor workouts to knock that down or change that at all, too. So there were plenty of stand-ups in Indy, guys who skipped their drills and are going to be fine. 
you know, it's not just the first round. This 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 thing is gonna gonna leak well into day three, where you see surprising fallers, guys that we had ranked in the third round or second round who end up going in the sixth, and you say, what happened? Well, you know, if you draft the receiver in the second round, you're probably not gonna take one until later in day three. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, and tell me why Denzel Mims isn't going to be considered now at the end of the first round. I mean, he, his production, he showed he can run yep. routes at the Senior Bowl. His Not only his size and measurements and his straight-ahead speed was great in Indy, he also ran the best three-cone drill at 6'3". He benched a lot for a guy with long arms. I don't see what this guy's missing now that you see the total package as what he's done during this draft process. Yeah, I mean, scouts have kind of said, look, he needs to add some crispness and some subtlety to his route running and all that. I mean, that sounds like nitpicky stuff to me, but even when I was calling him in December and, you know, into bowl season and everything, he was getting third and fourth round grades. I had one team say that he was sort of in the fifth round range from, from their area scouts. So if there's a player who's improved more from the senior bowl now on to the combine, you know, than Mims, I don't know him. I mean, I really think he is one of the two or three guys that has absolutely helped himself the most. And, you know, we probably shouldn't have made it that hard, right? I mean, we're, <laughs> we're as, as uh, laborious as this process can be, I mean, still, even in a deep class, everything you just said rings true. He played well at a high level. He's a jump ball specialist. You know, he didn't always have elite quarterback play down there. You know, that's that's the thing you're looking at and saying, why wouldn't I take him in the top 50 or even sneak into that, that end of the first round? So, yeah, I, I think he's second-round pick all day, and there might be a team 25 and later who says, yeah, we're willing to invest the first rounder in him. I'm still doing work on him, but I think you're right on the, the button on that one. Yeah, Eric, I'm looking at, at, at Chase Claypool, and I watched him before I went out to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and I did not see a guy that I thought separated very easily from defensive backs. Then he goes and runs a four four two. His measurements are off the charts. His jumping was 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 very strong. How do you think NFL front offices are viewing him? I know some people talked about a, a, a move to tight end. In fact, his measurements, even his speed, matches almost perfectly up with Evan Ingram's numbers when he was at the combine yep. a few years ago. How do you see NFL front offices viewing him? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to the guy who was at Notre Dame last year, Miles Boykin. Now, productive than Boykin, you know, some of the numbers were a little bit better, but really similar types of workouts. Big frame runs fast. Clearly, you know, whoever the strength coaches at Notre Dame should get a raise. They've got some good-looking athletes, Troy Pride and Julian Aguara and those guys. So, you know, that that's a testament to what they've done in terms of developing these players physically especially. So, I guess there's just sort of a little hesitation in terms of, you know, is he is he a true outside the numbers receiver? Do you want him more as that kind of over the middle guy? Is he a big slot? Are teams asking him to kind of play that tight endish role? Like like you said with the uh, Evan Engram there, very similar measurements, even a little taller than him. So, you know, I, I agree with you. There were times when it felt like he was kind of gliding out there on tape. But I think from, like, the second half of the Virginia Tech game, he had a really tough game against Michigan. I think it was, like, three drop passes, a penalty. He was just not his day that day. From next game on, when he took over in the fourth quarter against Tech, the last five, six games, he played like a different guy. Now, some of that was getting on the page with his quarter a little bit. You know, I think their offense lacked a little bit of uh, cohesion at times. They had trouble throwing the football. It was a lot like we're talking about with Donovan Peoples-Jones in Michigan. You know, it, 
you know, it took about six, seven games for that passing game to really go. So that's part of it. But I think what you said is absolutely true. And now these combined workouts, these great numbers, has some people maybe going back to the tape a little on Claypool. How do you see that second group of wide receivers now, Eric? Because I think that tier after you get past the CeeDee Lambs, the Judys, out throw rugs into that mix too. Has Justin Jefferson kind of vaulted himself ahead of the Ragers, the Chenaults and those guys? How do you view that next group after those first three off the board? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, right? I mean, Jefferson running well, you know, I think just sort of solidified things for him. I, I kind of wondered, okay, was he a second-round pick? Is he somebody that we're going to say – we're on the outskirts of the top 50, but I think running the way he did and, you know, bringing work at work ethic and character to the, to the to position as well, he's probably a lock for the top 25 or 30 picks. I, I feel better about him in the end of round one than I ever have. So Rager's interesting because the explosive drill numbers are really good. Yep. The quickness drill, you know, the three-cone drill, really surprised me with how average his number was. That was what he did in college. He made people miss. He had those sudden cuts. He's a tricky one to figure out. Now, he was held back as much as any receiver in this class by his quarterback play. So, it's just a tough study. I, I think he could still work his way into that first-round range. At the, at the worst, he'll go, you know, in the first dozen or 15 picks around two, but he might have put on a too much weight for the combine. That's why you saw him run a four four seven and have that, you know, very middling three cone number. So I wouldn't be shocked if he tries to retest at the pro day and gets a little better result and then we start kinda okay, that that makes more sense. This is the weight he's better at and that kind of puts him in that late first-round range again. Final wide receiver question, Eric. LaVisca Chenault tried to kind of fight through a core muscle injury that played yeah. him during the year, ran a bad 40-time, which I don't think anyone's going to hold against him. But now uh, that's going to be pretty much it for him. I doubt he's going to be able to do much at his pro day, if anything. So how do teams going to view him now? And is somebody just going to fall into some gold there if he drops to the third round because of his, I guess, not as great final year and now his post-draft process has been wiped out. It's a complicated evaluation for all the reasons you just laid out there. I mean, the history, you know, uh, you know the toe surgery before last year, now this core muscle thing. He's had about four things that have either slowed him down or he's had it repaired or whatever. You know, the time speed that he showed in India is not how he plays. He's got some real bursts. He's a three-level threat. I mean, they line him up a Wildcat quarterback. They line him up inside, outside, put him in motion, use him in kinds of ways. This past season was frustrating, but you still saw some of that explosive ability. But the injury question is really what I come back to. I mean, I, I think you're right. It wouldn't stun me to see him go, you know, 83rd in the, in the draft, whereas – you know, two months ago, I think people were putting him 18th, and that just sometimes happens when these injury issues crop up. So I was a little surprised he didn't have that surgery immediately after the season. I think the feeling was, let's give it rest, calm down a little bit, you know, do some, some rehab work, see if it can heal that way. They didn't want to put the, the combine in jeopardy, where he couldn't work out at all, couldn't train for it. Maybe that gamble backfired. It's just those things. So you credit the kid for wanting to try to compete. But, you know, unfortunately now we have a lot more questions. We do answers. I'm going to put these into one question because the Giants probably don't have too much of a need at these spots. But anything really strike you from the running back or tight end groups that changed your evaluation before you walked into Indianapolis? Yeah, not really a super fast group, but the one guy at running back who really kind of opened my eyes, and it just reminded me, like, he's a special player, K. 
Cam Akers. And, you know, playing behind a, a, a subpar offensive line, I would even say that. I think they were really poor last year. You know, ever since Jimbo left, felt like things really went downhill there. The surrounding cast was not up to par. He couldn't showcase abilities. And watching him do drills and turning those numbers, I mean, he, it's just a reminder that had he been at Georgia behind DeAndre Swift's line or Wisconsin behind Jonathan Taylor's line, you know, we would have seen a different player last year. So he's one that I think helped himself. Tight end, I don't know. The, the numbers were very strange in that some guys worked out well in one category but not another, or they skipped an event. So I don't know that there was a whole lot of movement at tight end, but Albert Okuwebenam running a four four nine certainly opened my eyes. I had him as a you know, four six five four seven guy based on the tape I'd watch. So that's that's kind of an interesting development right there. Well, more impressive, impressive than that time was your ability to properly pronounce that last name in one fell swoop. That was very good, Eric. That was impressive. If I wasn't a Mizzou grad, I don't think I could have pulled it off. You know, the corner from Auburn still tripped me up. So I, <laughs> I, I'm not in uh, shape here with my pronunciations. Real quick on Akers, I was surprised he ran such a poor short shuttle time. It was the second slowest time at 442, yeah. and they did that little Deuce Staley drill. Well, his feet looked phenomenal. I was just surprised that the one drill he did that measured agility wasn't where we kind of thought it was going to be. Yeah, he was lightning in that Deuce Staley drill. He was unbelievable, and that makes me think he's going to be a great inside zone runner. And he just had the the perfect sort of you know outlook for that for that type of scheme, but. Yeah, I mean, sometimes these guys will put so much into the other drills. Like the shuttle, I think, has lost a little bit of its value. And so sometimes they'll just say, all right, I'm having a good day, I'll run it, or I haven't trained that much for it. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just kind of throwing out ideas here because you're right. It was a total outlier from every other number he put up in Indy. Did the testing and field drills do anything for you to separate the top four offensive linemen in this class? I mean, they're just, they're really good. That's the thing. Like, they I didn't are really see anybody good. in that. Yeah, I mean, you guys could have your choice of offensive tackles there. You know, the, the team's picking, really, from the Giants at four until the, the Jets at 11. You know, we talk about all the quarterbacks going that high. It could be QBs and offensive tackles at the top of the draft, dominate. You know, and somewhere in there, Isaiah Simmons. and You know, Jedrick Wills showed super power and pop in those in those blocking drills. He moved well. Tristan Wirfs, an unbelievable athlete. I knew he was a good athlete, but, you know, even better than I think I would have expected coming in. You know, Mekhi Becton, I'm not going to say I've been the, I was the first guy on him, but I've been on him for a while, and even I couldn't have predicted a, you know, a 5.140 for a 360-pound guy. Just phenomenal. So he's a special story. You know, they handed him the ball a couple years ago on the goal line. I mean, he's clearly got some unique traits for a man that size. And, and Andrew Thomas has really grown on me. I didn't love him this year. I thought early on, I think he didn't have a great game first third of the season. But the more this process has gone on, I realized that I was just I was missing it. He's a really good player. So that's probably your top four there. And I might be missing somebody, but I think that's the group that's going to you know, going to go up high in that first round. How do you rank him, Eric? And can we bury the Tristan Wirfs to guard talk now, please? Yeah, well, look, and that's the thing. Like, you know, think about Brandon Scherf with the Redskins. Like, everybody said he's a tackle, he's a tackle, and they put him at guard, and he's an all-pro guard. So I think you could put him at guard if you wanted to do that. Or, you know, you want to do the, 
you know, he'll be a guard this year, and then we'll move him to left tackle when our free agent leaves or something. Sure, no problem. So, yes, he's, for me, a tackle all day long. But, you know, could he also be an all-pro guard? Yes. That's why he's my slight number one. I've got him, Becton, and Wills almost back-to-back in my rankings. All are going to get top eight or nine overall grades. And then I have Tom. It's just a shade lower probably in the, you know, 11 to 14 range or something like that. But, again, we're I don't remember the last time we had four offensive tackles that you could legitimately say – are among the the four of the top 20 players in this draft. So it's, at the top, really, really good for that group. I want to dig in on Thomas a little bit because I feel like he doesn't get quite as much as pub and and respect as the other three. And he measured a 36-inch arms, which is ridiculously good. Um, All the PFF numbers show him as the most productive offensive tackle, allowed the fewest quarterback hits, fewest pressures, things like that. But the one constant I heard from people I talked to in, in Indianapolis was that his balance was an issue. But I wonder if balance was an issue in that conference, shouldn't he given have given up a lot more sacks and quarterback hits if that really was that big of a problem? Yeah, I mean, I didn't quite see it that way, but you saw him a little bit tight. There were times when he sort of, I don't know if his, he just doesn't have the same sort of hip flexibility or something. Again, I'm, I'm not an offensive line coach. Yeah, me I'm neither. Not, you know, and so it's really tough to really truly know unless you talk to the player about those specific things. But, you know, there were times when his sort of footwork looked a little choppy, a little bit kind of scattershot. Yeah, but I'm not seeing a player that, that was getting routinely beat like I did – you know, Austin Jackson from USC, who physically, same thing, like really impressive kid, right? Just all those as you just mentioned, but the, the tape wasn't there, right? So that's why he's only going to be a second or third round pick or something like that. Whereas these guys, they have the tape, they have the measurements, and they have the workout numbers that, that back up what you would expect from a, you know, a top 12 or 15 pick at offensive tackle. So, you know, I'll have to keep an eye on that. I mean, I plan to watch at least one game I haven't seen, if not two or three, from, from all these top prospects just to kind of reinforce, all right, am I there with them? Yes. And Thomas is probably one of the guys that I, you know, even though he's good on me, I still need to see a little bit more of him. But you're right. You'd think that it would have been a lot worse if those were the issues that are being brought up. The next group of offensive linemen, you mentioned Austin Jackson, Josh Jones, Lucas Niang. I know some people have in the mix there, Matt Pert. Uh, maybe other names that I'm not mentioning. Who do you like in that second group of O-linemen, and, and where do you think those guys start coming off the board? Yeah, Matt Pert's a fun one. And, and you, know, you know, getting stuck at UConn and a team that struggled and things like that, playing the right side. And it took him a little while to kind of get that shine. But, you know, this is a kid who – he actually went to my high school, strangely enough. But, <laughs> uh, you know, private school in New England, eight-game schedule, not a football factory – you know, same conference that A.J. Dillon played in, some good athletes. But still, we're not talking about football powerhouse stuff here. He was a basketball kid. He came into there to play basketball in high school. They got him into football. He's sort of a late bloomer from that regard. But, you know, last five years, he's sculpted his body. He's gotten bigger, hasn't lost his moving skills. I thought he looked really good down in the senior bowl. You know, looked the part of a second-round pick to me. So I'm kind of... You know, keeping a close eye on him and wouldn't be stunned if he ends up cracking the top 50 or something. So he's one you got to keep an eye on. Lucas Niang with the surgery, you know, obviously unfortunate for him, but when he played, he's good. I mean, he can maul people, and he's, he's got that, that size that you just can't teach. So I really like him quite a bit. You know, and Jackson, he just, 
got to be patient with them. You've got to have an offensive line coach that's going to be able to sit there and work with them and get the best out of them when he's not starting as a rookie. Because I can't see him just stepping right in and being a left tackle or right tackle in the NFL. So, you know, I know some people have had him in those first rounds in the mocks, and maybe he maybe falls in love with him. But for me, he's, he's somebody that has the great traits and just probably needs some real good coaching to kind of get him to that point. How about Josh Jones real quick? Oh, yeah, Jones. I mean, he's another kid who the, the opinions are a little split on him. Some Very people really split. like him. Yes, he's one that I had people telling me third, fourth round and other people saying, you know, late first. So I think if there's a player who could be this year's Andre Dillard, you know, the guy kind of all of a sudden we're talking about as a first-round pick where we weren't doing that a month or two ago, he could be it. But I will say that not everybody is convinced that – that he's great. I think some people really like the balance, the footwork, the size is clearly there. He's sort of the, you know, the basketball type athlete uh, at, at tackle, and I could see him, you know, appealing to a handful of teams enough to, to where they could take him that late. Edge rusher was never a deep class, Eric. We didn't see Chase Young. We didn't see Caleb on Chase on compete. So obviously, that's gonna you know make the make the class take a bit of a hit. Anybody really impress you from that group? And when the Giants are picking at the top of that second round and even back into the third, are they going to have value at that position or just one of those drafts where it's going to be tough finding edge rushers? Yeah, I mean, you start getting into the, the Josh Uches, who's not going to be an edge rusher for every single team, or the Bradley and I's or the Kenny Willickses. I mean, those are all really good college football players who have some sort of physical trait that doesn't match up to what you normally see. I mean, if you're willing to look past that and you feel like you have a system that can help spring those guys, like look at the Tennessee Titans. Their, their defense, their edge guys last year were in the 235 to 245 pound range. They made it work because they're off their defensive scheme. So, you know, if you're willing to stand them up, ask them to rush from a two point stance, that's, you know, that can sometimes take advantage of that. You know, then there are some of these bigger ends like Khalid Kareem, who, you know, might look like a five technique to some teams, but others say, hey, we'll play him as a six or seven. He could be our base end. He's just going to, you know, knock the tar out of the tight end and, and, you know, contain the run. And so that's where I think those guys are all going to kind of be lumped, second, early, third, mid-third, I guess. But as you pointed out, if it's a thin position like it appears to be, and A.J. Epineza doesn't work out great, and a few other guys didn't work out at all, yeah, maybe there's a maybe there's a run earlier in the position, and sometimes those guys get bumped up by ten or fifteen picks. I think we can officially proclaim that the age of the smaller, undersized, late nineties safety-looking linebackers has arrived because these guys just tested off the charts. You start with Simmons and just go down the line. Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew Isaiah Simmons would look great because he always looks great athletically speaking. But four three nine, whoa, four three nine is just stupid. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, for a 238 pound guy to to cook like he was, and the jumping drills were fantastic too. You know, right up there with some of the best numbers in the last several years. So he's special, man. And and all this sort of hand wringing about, oh, where do you play him? Is he a, you know, off the ball linebacker? Is he a safety? I mean, he's a football player. You can cut from tight ends, blitz. Look how the Derwin James thing went two years ago. Great. So he's special. Kenneth Murray worked out like a demon. He was outstanding. Patrick Queen had a pretty good workout. Zach Bond had a good workout. 
and all these guys are slightly different, but man, if, if you can't find a way to use them, uh, maybe you know, maybe a new defensive coordinator is in order or something like that. I find Bond interesting because he was mostly an edge rusher at Wisconsin, but he's going to probably have to yep. play off the ball more in the NFL. How do you think uh, he looked in some of those drills uh, where maybe it points to him either transitioning well to a new role or, or not? Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's a really good athlete, natural athlete. You know, the kid who played quarterback in high school, had the ball in his hands, and, you know, they, they've turned, you know, uh, uh, think about Ryan Connolly, for instance. There's another guy who yep. went from high school QB to front seven guy for, for a Wisconsin team that just keeps cranking those dudes out. So, you know, I'm not saying he's the same player, but what I am saying is that if you look at how the Patriots use Kyle Van Noy, where he can cover, he can be a box guy, you know, he can rush the passer games, rush the passer 25 times. You know, you can live with a guy who's 238 pounds rushing the passer if it's a sure. specific matchup game and you like. Other games going to be different. That's, he's a smart kid. He's likable, humble. You know, he's from Brown Deer, Wisconsin, right? I mean, yeah, this is... This is somebody who I think still has a little bit of starry eyes about. Wow, I'm going to the NFL. He's going to work hard. He's going to be, he's going to be something for somebody. That's what I'll say. And I think he'll be a nice, you know, maybe an early second round pick. Some people say late first, but I think somewhere in that 35 to 50 range, he's going to make an outstanding pick. I would love Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen to fall to the Giants at the top of the second round, but sadly, after Indy, I don't think that's going to happen. So I've started to dig a little yeah. bit deeper. Malik Harrison's an interesting player. I watched him going into the Senior Bowl and at the Senior Bowl, and I'm like, boy, this guy doesn't look like he can cover much. Then I look at his testing, and I'm like, you know, this guy should be able to cover. He ran a very good three-cone. He ran pretty well. When you look at Malik Harrison, do you see a guy that has some coverage upside where maybe he can develop that part of his game? Yeah, and he showed a little bit of that at the Senior Bowl. You know, he he dropped back in zone and uh, picked off Jordan Love on the final day of practice, and you know, almost kind of baited him into the throw, too. And you watch that, and you say, ooh, okay. You know, those questions we had previously about, you know, being a good athlete but not a great one, being okay in coverage but not great, they make you think that, okay, perhaps this is not a guy who steps in and, you know, is a Tampa 2 Mike linebacker who can just drop 30 yards and be that guy from day one. But let's give him some time and let him develop his craft a little bit. Another guy who played quarterback in high school. So, you know, still kind of developing those positional instincts, still trying to figure out what he can get away with. Can he cheat over here? Can he anticipate plays the way he thinks he – I still think some of it is trusting his own instincts. I could be wrong about that, but I've talked to some people at Ohio State who say he's just starting to scratch the surface of what he can do. And last year he played really well. He was, you know, a tackle machine. He can – you know, he can do a lot near the line of scrimmage. But as you pointed out, you want to play in the NFL these days, off-ball linebacker, you've got to cover. So I feel like the potential is there, even if it's not going to be pristine from day one. People are pumped up about this cornerback class coming in. And other than maybe Damon Arnett, maybe Cameron Dantzler, it seems like everybody pretty much lived up to the billing, no? Yeah, and Dantzler really was just the 40-yard dash that I saw because I saw in the positional drills, I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, me too. I really like him. So, you know, if he goes to his pro day and runs a 4-5-6, which wouldn't be beyond expectation, then you say, absolutely, you take him as a, you know, a zone corner. He's a tough kid. 
He's smart. He takes on all comers. I really like him. Arnett, as you pointed out, you know, there's some character stuff teams have had to kind of dive in on a little bit. He seems to have matured, though, you know, not outstanding size or speed or any kind of physical traits, but he's tough. You know, he'll 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 take on those those assignments as well. And I think he has a chip like all the talk is about Okuda. You know, even Sean Wade, who went back to school, got more buzz than he did. So <laughs> he's interesting, right? I mean, but I just I, I think at this point, Dan is assuming he can sort of answer those questions about the forty. He, he's 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 going to surprise some people. Yeah, I thought on tape he was great. Has C.J. Henderson solidified himself as cornerback too? I think so. I know one team who has, I think, either the same grade or very similar grades as Okuda and him. So that's wow. the only one that I've heard of that most people say Okuda is going to be you know, the unquestioned top 10. Henderson might be the next off the board. You know, all the issues that I kind of worried about before, about like the – the tackling and the competitiveness, I think some of it was, you know, him just kind of knowing, like, I'm coming out this year, I understand it, Let, let's be smart about how we go after these guys. He's a really good man cover corner in this league. Who do you like coming out in this class that could really do a good job in the slot? Yeah, Benny Holmes looked good yesterday. You know, he's grown on me. He had a kind of an up-and-down season from what I saw. Got beat deep a little bit. There were some safety issues there. And, and, you know, maybe he just didn't trust, uh, you know, some of the things he was seeing in college this last season. But, boy, senior bowl, he was competitive. Down, you know, I thought last night in the drill, Sunday night in the drills, he looked really good. Um, the kid from Penn State, John Reed, you know, he's, he's not anything special physically, 5'10", 180, 85 pounds, whatever he is. Hasn't been asked to be like a run defender at all. I don't think he's been a core special teamer for him, but I really like the fact that he's tested well now. He seems competitive and really smart. He builds computers for fun. Like he's just one of those guys that I think can, <laughs> can really figure things out on the fly. So he's going to be a good slot corner. And there, there are quite a few. And as we know, I mean, that's, that's sort of your, your 12th starter. That's an important part of the defense. Grant Delpit and Xavier McKinney better look out. I don't look Antoine Winfield, man. I know he's only five eight or whatever. I don't care. Yeah, that dude can play football, man. And in the drills, I thought he looked like the best safety out there, and it wasn't close. He's like the Rorschach test, you know. He's he's the one where you you can sit there and say, hey, maybe some of those seven interceptions, you know, sort of luckily fell in his hands a little bit. He does have the size questions, you know. Is he going to be able to hold up at that size at safety? other than LaMarcus Joyner, there really aren't a ton of those guys we have. On the flip side, what you're talking about is absolutely true. Instincts, fluid hips, really good workout. I didn't know what he was going to run. I thought he might run a 4 five, seven or something. So good running times from him. You know, clearly the bloodlines are elite. Right? His dad was one of the most feared 5'9", 190-pound DBs in the league. He's a great tackler. You see it in his kids' play. That's that's a fascinating one. I don't know where to slot him. That's really what I'll have to say is that some teams are really high on him. Some are worried about the injury concerns that made him a you know a fourth year sophomore with two three years. So that's that. I think second round is where he hears his name called. 
But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be the right team, right fit. Who doesn't mind the size questions or the injury concerns? Final question, Eric, before we say goodbye. I'm going to leave the floor open to you. One takeaway, two takeaways, three takeaways, something we haven't mentioned that you really are walking out of Indy saying, ah, how about that? Yeah, just where I falls. Like, where does he go to? Because, you know, let's say the Giants don't take him at four, just for argument's sake. I mean, they could. I mean, I, I can see exactly why they'd want him, you know a defensive coordinator coming from a system where that type of player was, was desired. If he goes that, that high, it's a great win for the NFL in this new era of like that robo linebacker we were talking about earlier. On the flip side, if he doesn't, does Arizona take him at eight? You know, where does the quarterback run end? Where does the offensive line run end? Does he fit in? Does the team trade up for him? He's sort of a, I don't know. I, it's, it's, with the mock drafts and stuff, it's a little hard to figure out exactly where he'll go. Does Detroit love him? I mean, you know, so for special, special player, not knowing, like Derwin James falling to 17, I don't think we'll have that happen again. But he's, he's still not clear exactly where he'll end up landing. Eric, awesome stuff, my friend. We really appreciate the time. Let's do it again before the draft, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, pal? You got it, man. Anytime. Thank you. That's Eric Edholm, covers the NFL draft for Yahoo Sports. Make sure you check out his work. Does a great job covering things. Nice to meet him out at the Combine, and we'll try to do him live at the Combine next year. But a great recap there about all the stuff that happened with the testing at the NFL Combine over the weekend. I'm John Schmuck, and once again, you can find the Giants Settle Podcast on all your favorite platforms, the Giants mobile app, and, of course, Giants.com slash podcast. Just search for us in your favorite podcast platform, the Giants Huddle, and you will find us. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.